Many of us have heard the saying that in the spring, a young man's fancy turns lightly towards thoughts of love from a famous poet, Alfred Lord Tennyson. Well, that's not so with us old men. Uh, it turns more to getting the garden ready and tuning up the lawnmower, uh, getting the blade sharpened, uh, changing the oil and that. You know, maybe for some of you, it might mean getting out the, um, the summer car. Uh, some people have a car that, you know, is only out when the weather's nice, pack it away in the winter. Uh, and some people are heading north from Florida or Arizona or wherever they may go to spend a, a warmer winter. And only the Lord knows what a woman's thoughts turn to at any time. But the spring is definitely my favorite time of the year. And especially this year. Uh, after having a October ice storm where many, many branches came out of the one tree in our front yard uh, because the leaves were still on the trees. And this is, I believe it's a, a, some kind of a nut tree. It has these prickly nut things on it. Uh, so we had to deal with that in the fall. And then we just had those super cold temperatures and frozen pipes and spring sounds really good. Uh, and getting the warmer temperatures. And to the, since this is our first spring here in this house, uh, we're wondering what kind of flowers may pop up someplace here and there. Um, because we got here in August, <clears throat> and so we uh, still have that to look forward to. But it's nice being able to go outside uh, without a coat and seeing the sunshine and the kids and grandkids going to the parks and uh, being able to go and play in the playgrounds. And things are just starting to turn a little bit green uh, instead of brown and gray. You know, life is being resurrected. And I think that's why God chose spring for the resurrection day. New life new beginnings, new you. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we give you thanks that um, we can see new life coming around us. And Lord, it's just a, a blessing to, to observe the way you've made your world. So Father, as we look at your word today, um, we may be looking at uh, some scripture that we've We've read and studied before, and, and but you may have something new for us because, Lord, your blessings are new every morning. Your joy is new every day. And so, Father, we just uh, give this time to you. And, Lord, just ask that your Holy Spirit would work through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Matthew 19, we find Jesus quoting Genesis 18. Uh, in Matthew 19, verses 16 to 22, Jesus is talking about uh, a man that has become known as the rich young ruler. And in verse 23, Jesus says in the New Living Translation, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Well, the disciples, they really couldn't believe what they were hearing. You know, it says that they were amazed, astounded, staggered, astonished, surprised, depending on what Bible version you use. But this was their response in verse 25. It says, well, then who can be saved? Verse 26, it says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. You know, I, I like the way the New Living Translation put that. It says that Jesus looked at them intently. The King James says that he beheld them. I mean, can you picture that look? You know, like, are you guys serious? I mean, you still just don't get it, do you? Makes me think of Jesus' response to his disciples in Mark 9.19. In the NIV, it says, You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And the message says it like this, What a generation, no sense of God. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring a boy here. So I think Jesus may be saying in verse 26, you know, from a message like this, no chance at all if you think you can pull it off yourself. Every chance in the world if you trust God to do it. Okay, that's what the message tells us, that with man it's not possible, but with God, everything, everything is possible. So at this point, Jesus had been with the disciples eh, a year and a half, two years, maybe a little longer. And man, the things that they had seen and the teachings that they had heard. At this time, nothing should be a surprise to the disciples. I mean, Jesus, he's walked on the water. He's raised the dead. He's fed tens of thousands of people from a lunch. Do you think he isn't aware of the way to get to heaven? And he obviously knows that there's no limit to what God can do. The disciples probably thought after hearing the young man speak, you know, I mean, this guy is saying, you know, I've, I've kept all the commandments and, and all, and, you know, I tithe, you know, man, I just do everything I'm supposed to do. So they got to be thinking, wow, this rich guy, man, he's got all the bases covered. He has to be a shoe-in to get eternal life. Hey, man, if he can't get it, there's nobody that can get to heaven. Of course, this is not without some different thoughts from Bible scholars. When Jesus talked about the rich having to go, you know, like a camel through the eye of a needle, some of the Bible scholars are saying that, well, you know, I think there was a gate called the needle's eye, and that's that's what Jesus was talking to, because it was a small gate, and, and so 
you know, it'd be really hard to, for a camel to go through there. You know, a person can, can go through, and maybe a donkey, but eh, I don't know. I don't think a camel could go through. Well, actually, there's nothing to back that up. So he was, I think, saying it just like he meant it. But note this one thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus didn't say that it was impossible for the rich to get to heaven. He did say that it was difficult or hard or even impractical for the rich to get to heaven. But he said, nothing is impossible with the Lord. So let's take a look at some other impossible things. Okay, if you turn to the book of Acts in chapter 12, Herod Agrippa has had Jesus' brother James killed with a sword. And the people kind of like that. And so he had Peter arrested and put in prison. Now, not just put in prison, <coughs> excuse me, but there were 16 soldiers that were assigned to guard him. I mean, talk about thinking somebody might be a flight risk. Okay, so starting in verse 6, the New Living Translation, verse of Acts 12, says, The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. You know, it sounds like a pretty impossible situation for Peter. I mean, going on trial the next day, James had just been killed. Didn't look too good for Peter. Okay, that if he was going to go to trial, he was probably going to be killed. Verses 7 and 8, it says, Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up! And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. Was this possible with man? You know, that the chains would just fall off and be able to walk out? No way. It was impossible. No one is just going to go waltzing into a prison and free someone. But this angel just appeared. Verses 9 and 10. It says, So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize that it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and then came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. You know, like going to Walmart, you know, and the automatic door just opens. That's how this gate opened. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then suddenly the angel left him. Now, Peter's got to wonder, you know, what's going to happen now that the angel's gone? Are these soldiers going to realize what happened and come running after me? Well, it says that Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true. 
the Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders planned to do to me. The impossible became reality. But wait, because there's more impossible to come. <clears throat> Verses 12 to 15 it says, When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. It must be his angel. What they were saying was, Rhoda, that is impossible. And by all logic, it was impossible. How could Peter possibly be out of prison? Herod wasn't going to just say, eh, you know, you know, I killed James and that should be enough. Why don't you just let Peter go? It wasn't going to happen. And breaking out of the prison would have been an impossible thing to accomplish. All the guards that they had and being chained to two guards, it would have to be the Lord. And it was. Here's another impossible situation. Staying in the book of Acts, chapter 16. Paul and Silas, they're in Philippi, and they come across this servant girl with a special spirit. And the spirit was making a lot of money for her owners. And by the spirit, she knew that Paul and Silas had the Holy Spirit in them. And she kept following them and proclaiming, these men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Well, this was starting to get on their nerves. So in Acts 16, 18, the New Living Translation, it says, Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Well, as you can imagine, this did not sit too well with the girl's masters. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and took them to the authorities. And the mob turned against Paul and Silas. Okay? They were stripped and they were beaten and they were sent to the jailer. And they were put into the inner dungeon, okay? just as far removed as you could possibly be. They had their feet locked into the stocks, not looking too good for them. So let's pick up the scripture in Acts 16, 25. It says, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Man, that is impossible. Just happened to be when they were singing and praying that this happened? I don't think so. I think God had something to do with that. Verses 27 and 28 says the jailer woke up 
to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed that the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We're all here. Now let me tell you, that's a miracle in itself that none of the prisoners escaped. I worked 10 years as a corrections officer in a county jail. I think if the doors were all open, there had been some prisoners on their way out. Okay, but not in this case. But this continues. Verses 29 and 30. It says a jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, we can only assume that the jailer had heard about Paul and Silas and why they were in prison and maybe he had heard them praying and heard them singing. You know, maybe they had spoken to him earlier about the Lord. You know, we don't know. But he knew that there was something about them that he needed in his life. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul and Silas told the jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Everything changed because something impossible had become possible. Paul and Silas went to the jailer's house and shared with him and all that were there about Jesus Christ. You know, the jailer cleaned up their wounds, says that everybody believed, everybody was baptized, they had a meal, all because God made the impossible possible. Okay? <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is as good a place as any to share the words of a song with you. A song by Mac Brock, a contemporary Christian singer. It's not a tremendously popular song, but you've maybe heard it before. It's The title is Even the Impossible. It says, I think this stone's getting ready to roll. I feel a faith that's starting to rise. And I see a world on the edge of revival. I think it's only a matter of time. And the chorus says, Do what only you can do. Move what only you can move. Even the impossible is possible for you. I see a grave that is hollow of power. I see a battle that's already won. I see a church on the verge of revival. I see your kingdom has already come. You can make the chains come loose. You can tell the mountains move. Even the impossible is possible for you. Even the impossible is possible for you. You said it. I see it. You still do miracles. There's power in Jesus' name. All darkness defeated. There's nothing stopping you, my God. There's nothing stopping you. Because even the impossible is possible for you. Let me give you an Old Testament miracle. 2 Kings chapter 13 verse 20 it tells us that Elisha had died and was buried. Well then after some time it says that these Moabite raiders were invading the land and in verse 21 it tells us this the New Living Translation it says once when some Israelites were burying a man 
they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. That's impossible. No, that's gone. Even the impossible is possible. Well, did the miracles end in Bible times? No. We still hear of them today. Let me give you a few. In March of 2015, Lynn Grossbeck, 25, lost control of her car and landed in the icy Spanish Fork River in Utah. 14 hours later, first responders found her 18-month-old daughter, Lily, in the car, hanging upside down just above the frigid river water. Prior to finding Lily, both police officers and firefighters report that they heard an adult voice yell, help me, from inside the car. They discovered that the voice could not have come from the young mother who likely died from the impact. The rescuers still can't explain the voice or how the girl survived hanging upside down for 14 hours in freezing temperatures without being dressed for the cold. The impossible was possible. <coughs> Excuse me. A woman fell unconscious from a rare amniotic fluid embolism during a cesarean section in September 2014 at the Boca Raton Regional Hospital in Florida. Doctors tried to revive her for three hours. After 45 minutes without a pulse, doctors decided to invite the family into the operating room to say their last goodbyes. Then, what the doctors are calling a miracle occurred. Her heart began beating on its own. She was, she is revealed that during the experience she felt herself floating along a tunnel and seeing spiritual being, beings, including her father, surrounded in light. What's even more incredible is that she suffered no brain damage and made a full recovery and her baby girl is also healthy and happy. One more. The end of Grayson Kirby seemed inevitable when he was thrown from a demolition derby car at the Mid-Atlantic Power Festival in Ruckersville, Virginia. The accident left him in a coma. His lungs were crushed and nearly every other bone in his body was broken. His brain also suffered multiple strokes and hemorrhages and his kidneys were failing. If he did wake up, it would be likely, to put it bluntly, that he would be a vegetable. But his family refused to give up and turn to prayer. Thousands of people in the community and beyond kept Kirby in their thoughts and prayers and wore red shirts designed to show support for the injured man. <clears throat> in a final attempt to revive Kirby, doctors hooked him up to a machine typically used for transplant patients, not trauma patients. Whether it was due to a divine intervention or medical inter intervention or both, it worked. Ten days after the accident, 
Kirby opened his eyes and mouthed the words, I love you, to his father. The doctors couldn't believe it, and neither could Kirby. I'm humble. I'm great, grateful. Just amazed, Kirby said. I know that God saved me. I know that prayer and believing saved me. God makes the impossible possible. Still today, maybe you're one of the miracles that that God has given us because of the, the things that have happened in your life and the way God has worked in your life. I know shortly after I had gone into the ministry, there was a man from our church that had been diagnosed with bone cancer. We had him come forward, laid hands on him, and prayed for him. Next time he went back to the doctor, the doctor said, there's nothing there. You know, you're healed. I don't know what happened, but what was there is not there anymore. Miracles still happen. And we need to believe that God can do a miracle in our life. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks for those that know you and love you. And Lord, sometimes we uh, hear about miracles that really sound kind of impossible. <clears throat> Lord, help us to give you the glory for the great things that you continue to do even today. Lord, help us to know that even though it may be hard for us to believe that we can look at your miracles and say, that was God. I know that was God. And give you the credit and give you the glory. Because myself as a pastor or anyone else as a Christian is not capable of doing a miracle. Only you. You know, we may pray for someone. We may anoint them with oil. We may uh, do whatever else we can do. But Lord, it only comes from you. And Father, I lift up anyone that may be listening that doesn't know you and is just not too sure about all this impossible stuff, the things that you have done, the things that you continue to do. So Father, help them to know that they need to believe, that they, they need you as the center of their life, and that things will start to come together in different ways for them. But Lord, they need to begin that relationship and to be into your word and to find other believers that will uh, guide them and strengthen them and, and be there for them as they continue to grow. But it all begins with one thing, and that's a prayer, kind of like this. Dear Holy Father, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I need a Savior, and I know the only Savior is your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and that he rose from the dead and he's coming back again. Lord, please accept me just as I am and help me to believe. In Jesus' name, amen.